So today's reading is from Psalm 130, a song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord, more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Thanks, Alison. Psalm 130 is a great psalm. It's, um, it's one of my real favourites. And the, and the reason I love it so much is I think it contains one of the best summaries in, in all of the Old Testament of, of the Bible's message of salvation, how, how we come to know God and uh, his forgiveness. Uh, and it made me think of John Wesley. Um, many, as I was thinking about it, many of you will know the conversion version story of, of John Wesley, the, the famous preacher of the 18th century, the founder of, of uh, Methodism. Um, he, he was an ordained Church of England uh, minister, um, but until the 24th of May, 1738, he hadn't understood that his sins were completely forgiven through Christ dying in his place on the cross. And uh, it was on the evening of that day that famously he, he, he went to a meeting at a chapel on Aldersgate Street in the city of London, where, as he recounts in his diary, he felt his heart strangely warmed. As he understood for the first time that he, he could have complete assurance of the forgiveness of his sins because of Christ's death in his place. And this marked a, a turning point, not only in, in his own life, but actually in the history of this country, because he then went over all these islands preaching this message of forgiveness uh, through faith in the death and the resurrection of Christ. What is less well known, though, about that day, 24th of May, 1738, is that earlier that day in the afternoon, Wesley had been to Evensong at St Paul's Cathedral nearby, and he'd heard the choir sing Psalm 130, and, it's, and it was in those verses, these verses that we have before us today, that God had been preparing his heart to hear that message that his sins were completely forgiven in Christ. So it was quite a, quite a day for Wesley that day, um, and it, it started with Psalm 130. So I just, for, for us, I want us just to meditate on these wonderful few verses now, and and pray that God would grant us that same conviction that Wesley and so many others have had down the ages in reading this psalm. So just as before we look at those verses, let's, let's pray together now that God would help us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful psalm. And in the middle of this busy day, pray that you would quieten our hearts from all the distractions around us that we would focus upon what you would say to us in this psalm. 
we pray that through your word and by your spirit you would show us the, the seriousness of our sin and and the wonder of your forgiveness in jesus name we pray amen so this psalm i think breaks down into three basic ideas which i've given three pictures to to, to help us help us remember and the the three pictures come from the world of sea rescues uh, i sort of started off down that line because the psalm as we'll see talks about the person being in the depths in the depths of the sea so these three pictures are the depths the winch line and the clip on okay so we're going to start with the depths. in verse one of the psalm we have a picture of a person who is drowning and that the Hebrew word that uh, which depths translates is is deep waters. But what is this person drowning in? Well, you get we get the answer to that in verse three. They're, they're overwhelmed by their sins uh, and, the, and a deep conviction of their guilt before God. And this is a repeating theme throughout the Psalms. Deep conviction of sin uh, before of God to whom we're always accountable. Now. I think we've got to admit that that's a pretty counter, it's quite a counter-cultural message these days, because a, a sense of sin or guilt in our culture um, is generally seen as quite a negative thing, as something that sort of stops us being happy and, and having a positive self-image. But at the, at the very same time, it won't have escaped our notice that also in our culture, we're, everyone's constantly pointing out the wrongdoing and sins of others. So we haven't lost a deep conviction that there is so much wrong in the world uh, out there. But in general, I think we have lost a sense of there being something wrong in our own hearts, that we're part of the problem. And when we look around at other people and compare ourselves with them, it, it is easy for us to feel good about ourselves because we can always find other people who are sort of worse than us and can make us feel better. And we might think, relatively speaking, that we are better than most people. And if, if only they would sort themselves out and get their politics right, for example, then the world would be so much better. But do you, do you notice what the, what the psalmist does? He doesn't compare himself to other people. He compares himself to God. And that's the simple thing. It's only when we compare ourselves to God that we're forced to admit that we do actually have a problem ourselves. Let's step back and think about it for a moment. If we've been created by God, it stands to reason that we, we owe him everything, our whole lives, to him. And also, as we stop and think about it, we realise instantly that we don't live our lives like, like that. We, we have a debt to God that we simply can't pay our, our back to God. We can't pay it ourselves. We can't help ourselves in living as if we're God instead of him being God. And the psalmist knows this. He doesn't stay there in the water, notice, amidst the towering waves and as he sort of shout up to God, hey God, look what a great swimmer I am. The psalmist is in absolutely no doubt that he's drowning in his sin and his guilt and he's desperate to find forgiveness. And in verse two, like a person in the middle of a sea, yelling out and waving their arms, you know, desperately wanting to be rescued, 
he cries out to God for mercy. So here's a simple question for all of us this lunchtime to think on. Have we, have we done that? Or, or are we still trying to stay afloat in the depths of the sea by ourselves? Because until we recognize the, the depths of our predicament before God, we're never going to understand the heights of God's rescue, uh, the wonderful good news of the, the message of the Bible. And that brings us to our second point, the winch line. So keep, uh, keep that picture in your minds of the person lost in the middle of the sea, almost drowning and yelling out for help. Along comes the sea rescue helicopter and a sea rescue specialist is winched down to them on a metal line. And that rescue specialist joins the person in the stormy water and then lifts them, uh, clips them onto the winch line and then that pulls them up to safety. And in verses four and eight of the psalm, we, we see what the winch line is that lifts, this, uh, lifts the psalmist and any human being out of the depths of their sin and guilt. It's, it's God. It's God who does the forgiving and the redeeming of our sins himself. So verse four, with this God, there is forgiveness. It's not self-forgiveness. It's God's forgiveness. And verse eight, it is this God, he, who will redeem Israel. So the God of the Bible is not one who sits up there in the helicopter shouting down to us, well done, what great swimmers you are. And that, that basically is what con uh, contemporary society tells us. We're doing fine by ourselves. We don't need rescuing. But also, this God doesn't uh, sit up there in the helicopter issuing instructions on how to keep ourselves afloat, that we need to you know, try a bit harder or, or, or try this technique in order to stay afloat and to improve how we're doing. And that, if you think about it, is what religion tells us. It, 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 it tells us we've got to try harder or, or do certain things in order to please God. That's not the case with Christianity. Christianity uh, speaks of a God who comes down into the depths himself to get us. And, and the psalmist in verse eight, he doesn't yet know exactly how, you know, how is God going to come down and rescue him in the depths? He knows that it's going to be God who does the rescuing. But we now, 3,000 years or whatever later, we do, we do know how God achieves that rescue because we, we live after Christ. And we know that in Christ, God became one of us and that he lowered himself to rescue us and to give his life in our place uh, for our sins, that we might know the forgiveness of God. You might know the story of um, Bill Deacon. Uh, he was a rescue helicopter winchman who in November 1997 rescued a, a whole series of people who would who were um, close to drowning in the North Sea. Uh, there was a cargo ship called the Green Lily that had got into uh, treacherous seas just um, near the Shetland Islands. And the lifeboats were unable to rescue the crew in what were mountainous waves. 
So the Air Sea Rescue Helicopter was called. And Bill Deacon, who was 27 years in the service, lowered himself down uh, from that helicopter onto the deck of the ship. Uh, and there, one by one, he tethered each of the 10 crew to the winch and they were lifted up to safety. But before he himself could be rescued and winched back up again, he was, he was washed off the deck of the ship by a huge wave and he died. Uh, his body was uh, discovered a few days later. And for his uh, amazing sacrificial bravery, he was awarded the George Cross. So it's very simple. Bill Deacon died so that those 10 people might live. And it's the same um, with Christ. Jesus Christ died that we might live, not just for a few more years now, but we might live with God forever. And so therefore, in the, in the, according to the imagery of this psalm, are you still swimming in order to try and earn God's rescue? Even if you've been a Christian for countless decades, do you still know today that it's God who has rescued you in Christ? And there's nothing that you can do to add to your salvation. But in Christ, he says, you are rescued if you trust in him. And note also, just look at back at verse four, would you? Note the order of what verse four says. It, it says, first of all, there is forgiveness with God. And then in the second half, it says, so that we can then serve him. So, for example, everything you do in politics and in all of life to serve people should flow from knowing God's forgiveness. It's never to earn God's forgiveness in whatever area of life it is. Our service of people flows from knowing that God has served us already. But perhaps also there's some, some of us today need to hear again that, that great assurance of God's forgiveness that we are given here in this psalm. Look at that great but. There's this great but at the beginning of verse four. But with you, there is forgiveness. Your spouse or your partner might not forgive you. Your children or friends might not forgive you in life. And in politics, some of you know better, much better than I do, there are many people out there who are not very forgiving and who are not forgiving you. You might, you might even think that there's something that you can't forgive yourself for. But none of those, none of those types of forgiveness ultimately matter. There, but there is, there is only one whose forgiveness really does matter, and that is God's forgiveness. And the amazing thing is, he will forgive us. He, he always will forgive us. With him, there is forgiveness. And we know this because he's come down himself on that winch line to rescue us in history, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can know that with him there is forgiveness. What a wonderful thing to know. If we know that, then we know the most precious thing we can know in this life.
So firstly, the depths. Secondly, the winch line. And finally, very briefly, as we close, the clip-on. We've seen already that the psalmist recognises that there is a, west, a rescue winch line and he, he, he clips himself onto it. He wants to be rescued. But notice what he then does in verse 7. He actually then looks outwards. He looks around to his fellow Israelites and urges them to hope in the Lord with him. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. So he's like the person in the sea, urging others to come over and clip themselves onto the winch line to be lifted to safety. He, he's pulling them over to the rescue line, urging them, helping them to, to clip on. So just as we, as we close, just looking outwards from ourselves, there's someone in Parliament, a colleague or a co-worker or a, a friend or a family member who, in, in your words and your actions, this week, this month, that you can, you can, you can tell of this, this winch line that you need and that they need. So as we close, let's, let's why not pray for ourselves now in the light of this psalm that we, we might be people who are characterized by this psalm, that we're characterized by deep humility ourselves about our need of God's forgiveness. Uh, secondly, a profound thankfulness for God's rescue and an assurance that we know that we are rescued by him. And thirdly, a commitment to love and help others to find that rescue too. So just let's have a moment of quiet now and we'll pray together before um, Amy leads us in our final song. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, the wonderful words of this psalm. And we thank you that they are true, that they, they speak of, of you as our wonderful, forgiving God. Even when uh, perhaps others don't forgive us, even if we think that we can't forgive ourselves, we know that with you there is forgiveness. We thank you that you've given us total assurance of that in the Lord Jesus Christ and his becoming a, a human being and dying for us and, and rising from the dead for us. Thank you, thank you that we can have that complete assurance of forgiveness of sins that, that Wesley knew about and so many others know about. We pray that we would know that fresh for ourselves today. We pray for those whom we love and we're in contact with that we might be able to share this wonderful message of hope with them too. And we ask, ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.